0: Welcome to the SBP Podcast, the voice of mobile film. I'm your host, Susie Botello, and you're listening to episode 74. Before we get into this episode of the SBP Podcast, Mobile Filmmaking, I just want to warn you just a couple of words that are thrown in here by our guest, very light profanity. Just having fun with that. Okay, let me get serious. Our guest in this episode is Rich RB Botto. RB is the founder and CEO of Stage32.com. Now, if you're not on Stage32 as a member, which is free, by the way, then you should be. If you want to connect and network, learn and share with people in the film and television industries. So, are you a mobile filmmaker or producer? Let's get serious. Let's chat with R.B. Hey, everybody. I am here with uh, one of my idols and a little bit of a celebrity. Uh, his name is Richard RB Bato. How do I pronounce your last name? That is correct. Bato
1: is correct. Awesome. That,
0: yeah. Well, my last name is Botello, but we're not created uh, equal.
1: <laughs> no, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Pretty close.
0: Right. Um, so, uh, for all our listeners, uh, Richard is the founder and the creator. Uh, you run. Uh, stage32.com, which is a wonderful platform. Um, I actually love your platform. I joined your platform, um, Stage32. I believe it was like uh, around 2015, early in 2015. Right. And the first person to greet me once I joined was you.
1: <laughs> That's correct. it's still so holds true today
0: yeah well, I think I you know what? I didn't know that that was like a a thing, so i I just I was so happy. I was like, oh my God, the founder of this thing just like totally greeted me on this thing. He must think I'm special
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's been something that's been in place in the beginning. you know we we're in our ninth year now, which is hard to believe we we launched in two thousand and eleven, and one of the things that uh was the decision that I made very, very early on before we launched was I wanted everybody to understand that I'm just like you. I'm not just the guy that came up with the idea for this platform. And if you're not familiar with the platform, it's, uh, it's networking and education for film, television, and theater creatives. And it's over 600,000 people worldwide that are on the platform now and over 1200 hours of education. And we work with hundreds of executives worldwide. It's been an amazing ride. But one of the things that I definitely strive for uh, early on was the idea that, uh, this was going to be a collaborative community and that we were going to have a collaborative mindset. And I wanted you to feel that from the moment you signed up and that's where that welcome message comes from to basically say, look, you know, I'm a writer, I'm a filmmaker, I'm an actor, I'm a producer. I'm in the trenches just like you are every day. I'm looking to learn every day. I'm looking to collaborate every day. I'm looking to learn more about the industry every day, putting together projects every day, writing every day. I mean, so, you know, we're all in it together. And that message has resonated and I think has made the community uh, what it is because, you know, when you sign up, you're, you know, it it takes away some of your cynicism. It disarms you a little bit that you're not just going on to another platform where there's going to be, trolling and spam and all that we don't allow any of that so uh i appreciate you bringing up that you know welcome message because it it really i feel sets the tone for what the stage 32 experience is and has been for the last nine years
0: you know one of the really cool things about your platform that i noticed right off the bat you know i've been long on linkedin I can't even remember since when, probably 2005 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I, that I really enjoyed about seeing your platform come up, I think it was probably on LinkedIn that, that I found it, that it <laughs> came, came my way. And um, it was like, oh, my God, this is like the LinkedIn, but so souped up for uh, this industry, You know, I had a group, well, I still have a group there um, for video producers, right? And what I liked about your platform is that it's, instead of just having groups, right, Mm -hmm. it has um, uh, the lounge, right, where you have all these different kinds of specialties, you know, for filmmakers, for animators, for screenwriters, actors, you know, all these different levels. Um, and so that when people post and share something in, in one of those, it's, it's appropriate and people know what to expect in each one, but you have a really nice variety of them. But you also do this thing where you, you, you give advice for script writers and you have, uh, quite a number of programs for scripts. Uh, you have your log lines thing, you have the educational factor, And, of course, you have the ability for every member to have their own profile, which they can include photos, videos, uh, descriptions, and, uh, you know, uh, you have an employment uh, section. I mean, you have everything that we love about social media and everything that was good, and I say was because I I feel like LinkedIn is just like this animal that just keeps transforming and getting –
1: because Unleashed. of its
0: failures, you know? Yeah. Um, so. Well, I, no, I appreciate that. And, and
1: every one of those observations is very astute. I mean, we, the thing about, well, first and foremost, I mean, back in 2014, Forbes did an article on us and they called us the LinkedIn meets Linda for the film industry. A lot of people obviously are familiar with LinkedIn. They may not know Linda, but Linda at the time was the uh, number one online education platform uh, in the world. And we loved that comparison to an extent. We loved hearing LinkedIn meets Linda, because the idea behind stage 32 was not only to create a social network platform for people to connect, like-minded people to connect, you know, all film, television, and digital creatives and professionals to connect. But the vision early on was, it's fantastic to bring all these people into one place, but how do you train them? You know, how do you get people to get, you know, to get the education from reliable sources and people doing it right now that's actionable and that could help them build their career and or, you know, learn a new craft, especially in this day and age where we have a lot of multi hyphenates and where, you know, screenwriters becoming filmmakers, filmmakers are producing and so on and so forth. Even actors, you know, taking control of their own content, becoming filmmakers or writing their own content. Well, how do you train them? So we love the LinkedIn meets Linda comparison from that uh, that perspective, because the one thing I felt that LinkedIn never did was, you know, they they would talk about how people switch careers on average six times in their lifetime, but, but they didn't have any training. And then oddly enough, or coincidentally enough, after that Forbes article came out a few months later, LinkedIn bought Linda for $1.9 billion. And we were very happy with that comparison at that point. But the one thing that I would say is that, you know, we're not I like the LinkedIn comparison from the standpoint that yes, we are connecting people and yes, it's a professional site in that way. But to me, LinkedIn is, is very staid. It's very, um, sort of, I won't, I mean, I I hate to use the word boring, but it kind of is. And we're not, we're, you know, it's a very, somebody said to me once LinkedIn meets Facebook. I like that a little bit better. I like to just think that we are a very, very vibrant community that brings people together, helps train them. And as you mentioned, you know, you mentioned our script services and everything like that. We look at it as right now, we look at it as we have three different divisions of stage 32. There is the social media side, which of course is everything you talked about, where you can come in and create your profile, upload your reels, your screenplays, your log lines, any other media you might have, and then start getting to work on building relationships, which we know is the lifeblood of a, a lasting career in this business. Then we have the education division, and that is for anyone that is in a creative or professional field within film, television, and digital. You will find education. We have over 1,200 hours, as I mentioned earlier. And then there's the script services division, which doesn't just serve screenwriters. It serves producers and filmmakers and basically everybody because within there – it's not only breaking down scripts from a writing standpoint, but it's breaking down scripts as far as budgets are concerned, financing is concerned. And within that, there are mentorship opportunities where you could come in and pick from a roster of executives we work worldwide. And this is true of all of our script services. We have, you know, probably a hundred or so executives that are listed at any given time where you could come in and pick The executive that you want to either work with you on covering your script, getting on the phone with you to discuss your script, getting on the phone with you to discuss budgets, where your film fits in the marketplace, producing questions, any questions you have so you are instantaneously connected to executives. So our whole entire mantra all the time is connecting, opportunity, access, and, and education. It's the idea that you know you have these opportunities that you are completely in control of to connect with anybody anywhere in the world, any of our 600,000 plus members. you can connect, uh, you have the opportunity and access to get to any executive that we work with uh, that you can choose. Uh, all the opportunities are baked within those within all those uh, all those uh, uh, services that we offer. And then, of course, there's the educational aspect, which goes back to the the library of 1200 hours of content.
0: You know, one of the benefits that I also see in this is that that combination of the professional experts and people in the television and film industry uh, who have basically embraced your platform. Uh, yes. And are willing to open our arms up to, like you mentioned, mentoring and and providing um, advice and things like that. The the cool thing about it is, and, and that's what happens with social media, of course. Uh, you know, like somebody, let's say they post something on on your lounge and they're looking for help or advice in a specific thing. Uh, when people respond to that from that part of the industry, you know, the upper level, right? Um, they're actually not just helping that person. They're a- actually helping everybody in that network who may come into that issue or who wants to know um, things about, you know, that answer It's looking for that. Not everybody asks, you know, when they're when they're researching things, and so it's very cool to have a place where you have that, you know, like you were saying, divisions, you know, yeah. uh, interesting word, uh, but where you're actually creating bridges for people to connect within them, right?
1: Oh, without question. And I mean, they're all designed to give you access to people who are in the trenches right now, doing it right now. Uh, You know, one of the things that drives me crazy about a lot of the um, premium, let's call it, services that are out there for film, for screenwriters, for actors, is that, you know, the people that are, teaching it or the people who run those companies have never had a day's experience in the business, or they did it, you know, 20 or 30 years ago and they're disseminating dated information. And that drives me insane because there is nothing that could set back the career of of a creative more than getting the wrong information or listening to the wrong voices. So it has been vitally important for us to, you know, work with and have champions of, People working within the industry who want to be part of the Stage Thirty Two brand, and that took us some time. But I mean, now it's been incredible. Now we work with over five hundred executives worldwide, and you know we're partners with the biggest film markets and festivals in the world, including Cannes, AFM. We work with companies like Amazon. So it's it's a really it's been an extraordinary ride for us. And and you know when when you're a business owner, but also For me, it's doubly rewarding because as a business owner and I'm a creative as well. When you start winning the hearts and minds of people who work in this industry and production companies and management companies and agents start coming to you to use your services to cover screenplays that come through there or films that come through there or just to find talent. That's an extraordinary thing. And that's something that we're enormously proud of. And and what you said earlier is absolutely true. You know, when you're a creative and you're able to go into our lounges or you're able to connect directly with these executives, it is, of course, a winning situation for the creative. But what a lot of people don't realize is it's a winning proposition for the executive as well. Producers are looking for material. Managers are looking for new talent. Agents are looking for new talent. Financiers are looking for places to put their money. So, you know, actors are looking, I mean, uh, casting directors and acting coaches are looking for talent. So there are so many people on the executive side. everybody concentrates so much on the membership and going like, oh my God, I, you know, what, what can this do for me? And, oh, I get to talk to these executives and everything like that. But they don't realize. The other side of that, these executives love working with us because we're bringing untapped talent and uh, projects, material content to them. And that has been one of the most rewarding things is to see that sort of marriage between our executives and our members that have led to these unbelievable projects, including quite a few theatrical films that are going to be coming out this year and short form digital content that's going to be on Quibi and that's been on Amazon. It's, it's incredible. And that's enormously rewarding.
0: Yeah. Because every producer uh, knows, right. Or anyone in the industry knows that um, if you are working in it and people find out about it, right. uh, They contact you they're like, Hey, can you get me in? How can I, how can you help me get in? Can I, can you get me a job doing this? Or can you get my, can you, you know, make my movie and all these things. But in this kind of a platform, they're there. They're always looking, of course. And before they even respond to somebody, they can or they or even at the same time, they can find out who this person is.
1: Well, that's it. Right. And And that's that's a great lesson within what you just said there is that, you know, for the for the people that are handling themselves correctly, that is absolutely true. There are, you know, look, I mean, there are people that are going to be listening to this podcast and there'll be people like this through the end of time that, you know, come into this business and think that, you know, everything happens overnight or that they have created a staggering work of genius, or think that they are just so talented that they stand above the fray and they come in with this look at me attitude and nothing ever happens to them because, the reality of the situation is that people in this industry see right through that immediately. They see through the desperation. They see through the ego and the hubris. Um, a lot of you know a lot of executives who have been in this business for more than five minutes will tell you that they can tell within five minutes of speaking to somebody if they get it or if they don't get it. And that doesn't mean that people that are just coming into the business are, um, you know, that there aren't people that come in and act like that because they just don't have the knowledge, but that's what this platform is really all about is, is that educational part of it and that collaborative part of it and that community part of it that you will encounter from the minute that you come in. And the fact that you can go into the lounges and ask questions, it'll allow you how to navigate the business. And that's the part of the equation that people ignore the most. They all understand the craft. They all understand how to get better. Or they, you know, if, if they're serious about it, they know, how to go about it, but they don't understand how to navigate, how to, you know, how to speak to executives, how to approach executives, and most importantly, how to win champions. This is a relationship business, it's a tribal business. So yes, there are a ton of people that come on Stage 32 and have had enormous success, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, but there are also so many people that come onto the platform and they don't fill out their profile. They don't put up their reels. They don't put up their log lines. They don't put up a headshot, which is insane to me, or profile picture, I should say. So if somebody comes and looks at your profile, you know what? They're gone in two seconds because you're not putting anything out there. And it's a real lesson for people. Like, you know, I I tell this story all the time or I tell a version of this story all the time. But. It's inevitable that I will, you know, I speak at a lot of festivals and conferences around the world. I get to teach and mentor. I'm blessed that way. And it's inevitable that somebody will come up to me at every single one of these things and say, I was on your platform for, you know, a few months. I ain't getting anything out of it. And I'll pull out my phone and go, give me your name. And I'll look them up on stage 32. And sure enough, there's no profile picture. There's no bio. They've made no posts. And, you know, I say to them, it's like, you know, it's like waiting for the doorbell to ring. Who's coming and giving you a job? Nobody is. you got to be out there and doing it. And you got to be putting your best face forward. you got to be giving yourself the best chance of success. So, you know, like I like to say to people is, yes, I built the platform, but now it's up to you to utilize it in the right way and in the way that's going to be most beneficial to you. And in my opinion, if you're not working on relationships every single day of your life online, then you're failing yourself.
0: You know, I've got one really important question that I wanted to ask you, but before I go there, I want to ask you something else because I'm listening to you and I'm realizing that you have something which a lot of people in this industry have in order to succeed, since we're talking about that, right? Um, You just, this is a very difficult industry to get into. This isn't your regular nine to five, Monday through Friday job, maybe a weekend here and there type of a thing. Um, it's not really even a clock in, clock out job, per se. Right. So uh, what I find in you, like I find in many people who are willing to create something from the ground up, is the passion. Where does mm. your passion come from?
1: I mean, I think it's just in me. I, I love this business. I love business in general. So, you know, it is kind of an interesting um mix in a way to create but it is and it isn't in a lot of ways the you know the fact that i'm running a platform which is an entrepreneurial pursuit um you know that started as a startup and built into something bigger now um but it's in an arena that i love and that i work in you know with the acting and the writing and the producing and the filmmaking uh, and all of that. And, and I also love the business of filmmaking, uh, the business of the industry the business of producing. I love all of that. So it's a nice mix. So I'm very passionate about it there, but I'm, I'm very passionate about entrepreneurial pursuits. And I think it's something that melds perfectly into this idea of wanting to be successful as a creative, because I say this all the time, but if you are a creative, you're an entrepreneur, you are the CEO of you you're running your own business. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that. The fact of the matter is if you want, people say, I want to build a career in the business. Well, if you are building a career, guess what you're doing? You're building a business and the name of the business is Inc. And you're creating for a living or you're producing for a living. And that means you gotta be on the hustle and the grind 24-7, 365. And when I say that, I don't mean that you don't sleep and everything like that. What I'm saying is you adopt a mindset and you adopt, a, uh, a strategy and you adopt a schedule. Like people say to me, you know, Oh, you say you network for an hour every day, or your relationship build for an hour every day. Oh, that's gotta be bullshit. I look at your Instagram, you're everywhere. You're doing this. It's not, it really isn't. I get up every morning and you don't know what time I get up and you're not sitting there in my, you know, in my living room and you're not sitting there watching me get on stage 32 and send DMs and send network requests and answer network requests and connect with people who are, uh, you know, who are posting interesting things and everything like that, you're not seeing it. You're not seeing me on the plane when I'm flying from here to there, you know, hooking up to the wifi and doing the same thing. And, but it is a reality because I understand that no matter how successful you are in this business and you know, you brought up Steven Spielberg before we got on. So I'll use him as an example. It doesn't matter if you're Steven Spielberg, you're still fighting along the way. You're still fighting to get your passion projects off the ground. You're still struggling to get things made. I always say he had to go to India to get the money for Lincoln. Like, who wouldn't give him the money in the states? Nobody. He had to go to India. I mean, so it, everybody is – you're always on the grind. You're always on the hustle. And I think if you embrace that from minute one and understand that this is a never-ending educational process, you're always learning. Things are always changing. I mean, the landscape today changes – I don't even want to say by the day. It seems like it changes by the hour. Uh, you know, and if you're not reading up on it, if you're not in the middle of it and you're not a part of it and you're not engaging with it and you're not connecting with it and you're not connecting with people doing it, you're not going to make it. I mean, it's that simple, you know? And if you're going to sit in a room and not be passionate about it, or if you're going to be passionate about it, but really not take action on it, you're not going to win. And I know there are probably people listening right now who are introverted or who this is, you know, a struggle for them to be out there and to make posts. And maybe you're a passive observer on social media. I would urge you to get by it. And I know that that sounds very easy, but I would urge you to get by it by doing a couple of really simple things, such as sharing content, thanking people for sharing content, uh, complimenting people if they do something cool on social media, or if they bring you sort if they bring you value in any way, Try to bring people value in your day-to-day exchanges on social media. You know, if you're that petrified of it, dip a toe in. You know, do a little at a time. And as you start getting responses and as people start engaging with you and, you know, you start realizing that when you come from a place of selflessness, people respond, you'll want to do it more and more. And the next thing you know, you'll be actually enjoying it. So. There's a home for everybody on social media. certainly a home for everybody on stage 32. But if you're not bringing the passion and you're not bringing the energy and you're not being true to what you're really looking to accomplish, I'm telling you, the climb is hard enough. Don't make it harder by not taking action on all of that. You will make it harder if you don't.
0: You know, I was on a bus. Well, actually, it wasn't a bus. It was the trolley going to Comic-Con this year. And there was a kid there, and I was talking to him, because I talk to everybody, Richard. (laughs) And uh, he says to me, he says, uh, how do you find your passion, though? How do you know what your passion is? And I, I thought for a minute, and I thought, I told him, I said, if you're ever doing anything in your world, in your life, where you completely zone out while you're doing it, and you forget about time and nothing else matters, that's where your passion is. Somehow you got to craft that into something. And that crafting uh, process of connecting with your your passion gives you the energy to persevere and the strength, right?
1: I totally agree with that. I also think that I totally agree with that. I think you're 100% right. And it's funny, even after all this time, you talk about the zoning out. I'm in the middle of uh, negotiating a deal to write a new screenplay, and the screenplay has been on my mind constantly. And I know when I'm getting in the zone, when I lose like five to eight minutes, like all of a sudden I snap out of something. I'm like, oh, Christ. you know, you're in your head thinking you can't stop thinking about the script. But I would also say that if you have to ask yourself whether you're passionate about something, you probably you probably not. And you probably should reevaluate that. And I do think that when it comes to a creative pursuit, you also have to ask yourself why you're doing it. You know, I, I sometimes ask, I, I, I got to speak in front of a class of actors recently and I said, you know, I said, how many people are doing this because they just, they can't do anything else. And, you know, maybe three quarters of the class raised their hands. And I said, how many are doing this because they just love acting? And, you know, it was probably 90% of the room. And I said, how many, you know, how many of you are doing this for the money or the fame? And. You know, the amount of hands that went up, I mean, it was probably maybe a little less than half the room and they were allowed to answer. Obviously, they were allowed to answer multiple to to multiple of these questions um, or any of them. But that idea that, you know, you're doing it for the money and the fame, you know, if that's the reason why, man, it's that could be a secondary thing. But you got to be doing it for the passion and for the craft and for the for the reasons that that make you want to create art because if you do it if that's what you're doing it for and you're doing it well and you're doing it with passion and you're doing it while making connections that matter and winning champions of you and your work then you know what the money and the fame will come
0: you know you said something there because as art um when I was a, a growing up and I would tell people that I wanted to be an artist you know they would look at me they would almost they looked at me like they were going to cry for me you know, oh, no, mm. Susie's going to be an artist. She's going to be lying on a sidewalk somewhere starving to death. Um, right. And 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 I was like, well, what is your uh, second option? They're, well, you know, you could be a dentist, you could do. And I'm looking at these things going, oh, just shoot me now, for God's sake. You know, I don't feel anything for doing any of, the, any of these things. But you know what? What you just said, it's it's first you do it for the passion you know, and you love doing it. And what happens is when you're doing it for that reason, these doors open up and the money is a secondary thing in a way. Um, That actually leads me to a question that I wanted to ask you that was really important that I said I I wouldn't. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And that is, you know, what really grinds people about the filmmaking because it is an art but it's also a science mm-hmm. um is the business end of making a profit like outside of hollywood how would someone uh make a profit and um can a low budget filmmaker make a profit and from their products because films are products right
1: they they certainly are yeah and yeah they absolutely are and i i would say the answer to that question is It's never been an easier time to make a profit and it's never been a better time to be out there making films. And I would add that if you're thinking Hollywood and you're not in Hollywood, stop thinking Hollywood because nothing is really being made out here outside of the studio system and television. So what I would say is, is that, you know, in this era where you know and we're talking i mean we're on a, a mobile filmmaking uh, podcast you know where you can shoot a film on your phone but you could also shoot a film and rent equipment or buy equipment you know cheaper than ever uh you know more inexpensively than ever before and with the barrier of entry lower than it's ever been and with the absolute plethora and it's growing again probably probably tenfold you know while we're talking of places where you could distribute content right now and where you could distribute it in a way where you could actually make some money. You know, I don't see how, you know, I I think that now is the time to be doing it. You absolutely can turn a profit, but here's the thing. Okay. You have to have the education on how to do it. You have to have the knowledge on how to do it. And if you don't have the knowledge and you don't have the time to learn or you don't feel like you want to learn it, you got to have great producers. Because you need somebody that's either going to be if you're you know, most filmmakers that I run into and and it's the same thing look, I mean it's the same thing with some producers as well. I mean, you run into them and they say, My movie needs to be made for this much. You see this problem all the time when people try to raise financing is They don't have a true budget they don't have a low-end budget they don't know how cheaply they can make the film they don't look at the screenplay and figure out you know how they can make the set pieces or uh you know combine scenes or you know take people out of a car and put them into a, a room to have this conversation can save them money or you know how maybe it doesn't have to be shot in 1970 maybe it could be today and we're not you know it doesn't need to be a period piece all these things need to be looked at and, and what ends up happening, what you need to have is you need to have perspective. You need to be honest with yourself, which is very, very difficult for, for people because they're not able to check their ego at the door and they're not able to check the preciousness of the material or you know how precious they are about the material at the door. And you need to let go of all that. And if you do, and you can make the film as inexpensively as possible, As honestly as possible, with as many assets as possible, you're going to give yourself the best chance of either being noticed or being able to, you know, if you handle yourself right on the front end before you do the financing, find the right sales agent or distributor early on that could help you take it to the next level or, you know, make the relationships with the right film festivals to get you seen in the right places. But what, you know, what I'm saying is, is that there's a million avenues. You just have to be willing to put in the time and and to, to learn about them and to explore them. And, uh, you know, again, I, I can't stress this enough, you know, to come from a place of pure honesty where you're giving yourself the best chance to win. I know a lot of people in this business who have made, you know, 10, 15, 20 independent films and, you know, some of them have done unbelievable and some of them have done poorly. And they, they depended on theatrical throughout, but they, you know, they, they made their films the right way and came out ahead the entire way who, who now are beyond now they you know, they're putting multiple, multiple projects into play because there's all these different places to bring them. You know, they're able to kind of go to their investors and say, we could do this. We could do that. We could do this. We could do that. There's five different options as, as opposed to where it used to be that, you know, you'd make an independent film. And you bring it to a festival or you'd hope that you would get, you know, one of the, you know, 40 screens in New York or, you know, that, that you could platform the thing up or, or get a sales agent or a distributor that can get you on a few of those screens to platform up. It's very, very different now. It's vastly different now. And it's continuing to change. But it's up to you to be on top of what's going on with that sea change.
0: What about the story, Rich? Um how important is the story to your project? Like if you focus on your story, would that would that actually hurt your profitability of a production? Because some people think, um, obviously it depends on who's funding it, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. this is kind of a topic for mobile filmmakers. If you're self-funding it, you have to answer to no one. But how important is the story to that?
1: Story is everything. I mean, it really is everything. And I mean... You know, I, I spoke earlier about the screenplay that I'm in negotiations to write. I mean, one of the conversations that we've had already, I mean, we haven't even, you know, began, I haven't typed Fade In yet. We don't have the contracts yet, but one of the things that we've talked about on a producing level is where does a story like this live? Like in this day and age right now, and again, by the time I write it, by the time it gets, you know, it goes to rewrites and everything like that, it, you know, it could be eight, eight, ten months down the road. By the time you film it, you could be a year and a half out and and the landscape could be completely different again, but at this moment, where do we see this thing living? And we talked about theatrical. Okay, well, if this movie's made for, you know, if, we, if, if it's 5 million, it's this, if it's 20 million, it's this, if it's a million, it's this. We talk it all the way through, but it all begins with, where, where could this story live? Where, where, where are people consuming this kind of story? Who'd be interested in this kind of story? And I I think that that's something that a lot of filmmakers think about after the fact, a lot of producers think about after the fact they, you know, everybody gets so caught up in wanting to do that mad hundred yard dash to get filming that they don't realize that maybe they should take their time and do a few laps around the track and, you know, Think about the business end of it. Where does the story live? What do we want the story to be? Who is truly, and I use the word truly, emphasize the word truly, who is truly the audience for this film? Because it's such an important question to be asking today. And it's such an important question. And I see producers turn down projects because they don't have the right answer, or financiers turn down funding a project because the producers don't have the, or the filmmakers or the screenwriter, They don't have the right answer to that question. You know, the answer to that question is never everyone. It's, you know, it's, this is the audience of that film. And this is where this film could live. And this is our path to profitability if we execute. And those are all things you got to be thinking about on the story level. But man, I mean, regardless, whether you're shooting a no budget film, or whether you're shooting a friggin' $200 million temple story is everything. I mean, it's just everything. It's got to be airtight.
0: Yeah. Well, I have another question for you. I feel like I'm queuing you up to each question. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Should filmmakers write their their own scripts to shoot them or, or should they write them to present them to someone like you?
1: Well, I mean, I think it just depends on person to person. I am a big advocate in this day and age with, you know, the fact everything that we talked about earlier as far as the barrier of entry and and the costs of filmmaking, you know, being lower than ever and the accessibility and the ways to distribute content being more plentiful than ever. I, I am a big believer in controlling as much as you can control for as long as you can control it. You know, everybody talks about this Hollywood thing. Okay. Let's say you get into the Hollywood machinery, you get yourself a manager and an agent and you know, you have some success with the film Uh, you know, on a studio level or a mid-major level, well, guess what? They're going to want to put you in a box now. They're going to want you to do that film over and over and over again. That's fine. You may want to have that kind of career and you're going to get paid well to do it. But, you know, if you're looking to keep any sort of uh, creative leverage in a lot of ways or stretch your creative muscles in any way, I'm a big believer in controlling as much as you can control. And that's why I think it's so important Um, and why it's been such an emphasis for stage 32 to have this broad library of education, because as I said earlier, you do have actors. Now we hear it all the time, you know, that actor that's been going on auditions for, you know, five or six years, seven years, they have somebody that has a script that they wrote just for them. And, you know, they want to get it made, but nobody wants to get it made because they're not a proven entity. So they start learning filmmaking. They start learning how to make films and they're like, you know what? I'll, I'll direct myself in this thing. And I think that that's great. You have screenwriters who have been pushing the rock up the hill for, you know, the boulder up the hill for the last five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years that are now saying, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want, you know, I'm not going to go through the machinery anymore. I'm going to direct this thing myself, but they got to learn how to do it. And they got to learn the producing end, or they got to go out and hire a producer that is willing to work with them and that understands the business end and and will allow them to um, film their vision in the manner that they want it. So to me, I don't care if you're a filmmaker uh, who wants to write their own content or if you have a great idea and you wanna hire a screenwriter to, to, to write that screenplay, my whole thing is if you can control it, you know, I mean, if you can make a film and control it all the way up until the point Where you have to maybe get a sales agent or a distributor involved, you're doing pretty well for yourself. So you have to ask yourself, like, you know, what where do you want to sit in the industry? Do you wanna be a filmmaker for hire? Do you wanna be, you know, somebody that's gonna, you know, again, get kind of into the the studio system? Well, there's a certain path for that. Are you somebody that wants to continue to make, you know, sort of low budget indies or Things that you know Netflix might buy, or you know, now, anywhere now. I mean, Amazon, Hulu, on and on and on. You want to make those kinds of projects? Well, you can, but it, you know, you probably want your first couple to be things where you can control your artistic vision as far as you can, so that it's not bastardized in any way, and you're not being criticized in any way, and it's not being taken away from you in any way, and you could explain why what's on the screen mattered to you. So, you know, it's it's in this world, in this DIY world and in this world where, again, we have so many opportunities where we can present our art and how we can film our art and who we can work with and choosing our tribe and finding our tribe with platforms like Stage 32, which I think is monumentally important, finding quality people, finding a quality DP, so on and so forth. my whole thing is control it as far as you can control it for as long as you can control it
0: one of the things that one of the reasons why uh we uh, to our listeners why we're talking to Richard is because I really find his platform ideal for mobile filmmakers um and instead of me sharing all the reasons why um Richard invite our listeners to come to the to the platform if they're mobile filmmakers uh or or smartphone video producers
1: yeah, absolutely. And call me RB. Nobody calls me Richard. RB.
0: So, okay. Nice. RB. I love it.
1: <laughs> My friends call me RB. Anyway, no. So, wh- well, listen, I mean, anybody that's listening to this, I, you know, mobile filmmakers, you know, screenwriters, actors, I don't, you know, whoever's listening, the, the, the idea in this, but the reason I started this platform was, uh, you know, I really honestly started it for myself because being in the business for a few years before I launched, The things that became absolutely evident to me were the fact that one, absolutely, definitively, undeniably, and I've said it a few times now, this is a relationship business. A lot of people that, you know, everybody's guilty of this, and I'm sure most people listening are guilty of this. You know, there is a tendency when you are starting out to say, you know, to go on social media or to go to an event and meet somebody of of stature or somebody that's accomplished something and say, look at my, read my, will you read my, will you look at my, and the honest thing, the honest part of that is that you're not going to get read and they're not going to look at your film. And, And here's the reason why it takes time to, to read a screenplay. It takes time to watch a film. If, You're an unproven entity or an unknown quantity. Why would anybody spend two hours or, you know, an hour and a half watching a film with two hours reading a screenplay or whatever if they don't know you, okay? Especially given the fact that everybody you're approaching, obviously because they're successful, they're busy, okay? They're very busy. I mean managers read all day and they have scripts from their own clients and – people who champion other writers to them. And those are always going to take priority. They're not going to read the unknown entity. Okay. Same thing. You know, it's managers, agents, producers, same thing with producers, producers get scripts sent to them all the time from people they know projects, you know, that are in development from people that have attachments, you know, from people they know all day long. So how do you break through with that? Well, you break through with that by creating relationships. And that was something I realized very early on. So I wanted to have a platform, That was unlike other social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter, which is, you know, it's obviously all inclusive. Anyone could join. I wanted to have a community like that or or a platform like that, but only for creatives and only for film, television, and digital creatives. So I built it for myself with the understanding that it was going to take me years to build those relationships that really, really made a difference. It was going to take years for me to build relationships with executives to make them want to be a part of this movement that we were trying to create. It was going to take years for institutions like can and AFM to understand what we were doing and to trust us enough to pull it off and then to want to work with us. And now we're the education partner of both of them. All those things took four or five years. This project that I'm working on now that I mentioned earlier, and there's three other projects that I'm in the middle of as a producer and a writer, all of them came from relationships that took about three, four, five years to, uh, you know, mature, I guess, you know, to get to the point where we all trusted each other enough to say, okay, we should be doing some projects together. Let's find out, let's find some stuff to work on together. So you need to understand that if you want to be successful in this business, you need to embrace a long game mentality. And part of that long game mentality is the relationship building so that you can win champions of you and your work so that you can get read And so that people do want to look at your work and then the big benefit of all of that is if they start, you know, if you start winning those champions and they are looking at your material, looking at your content, looking at your reels, then they become champions of you. And then they become, uh, they come out and they, they they become advocates of you and your work and they get to carry that message to people that matter. That's very powerful. So I know I spent a lot of time just talking about that one part of it, but I can't emphasize it enough. If you embrace a long-term mentality, if you get on this platform and start connecting and spend an hour or two relationship building every day and treating it like a job. And like I said, when you start getting responses and people start responding to you and you start building up that network, it's going to become fun. And I don't even look at it as a job anymore. I look at it as just part of my day and I love it. Okay. So you will, you will feel the same way if you put in that time and effort. So that's part one of why you should be on the platform. Part two is the resources. And I'm not just talking about the premium, you know, education and script services. There are so many free resources on stage 32. Our blog alone has over 2000 entries. And, you know, is the, we have guest bloggers that range from Oscar winners to BAFTA winners to Emmy winners to Tony winners, you name it. Okay. I mean, High-quality, high-profile people, but also people in the trenches, just like we are every day, writing inspirational, motivational, aspirational, and very educational material that is completely free and that, you know, you could lose yourself in for, you know, months, really, with the amount of content that's there. We have a ton of free webinars as well, and we always offer free webinars uh, that we do from time to time every few weeks, we usually do something. then we have all the premium education content, and then we have all the services designed to give you access directly to the gatekeepers, the decision makers, the managers, the agents, the producers, the financiers, the directors of development, on and on and on and on. Uh, that cut down on your path. I mean it really I mean obviously the the easiest way, To be successful is to have a direct through line to these decision makers and we offer that and that saves you a hell of a lot of time as well so those are all the reasons but i would tell you man if you're going to join make sure that you're in it make sure like i said you're joining that you know you're going to put it's free to join by the way uh you know you put your profile up you you know you put that bio up you put your reels up you put your screenplays up put your log lines up on and on and on and on you're putting your best face forward. Because again, a lot of people don't realize online that, you know, you may be sleeping and you may lose an opportunity. A producer might see something you posted and go, wow, that's a really insightful, really intriguing post. You know, I want to learn more about this person and then go to your profile and find nothing and go, well, okay, on to the next. So it's very, very important that if you're going to be on the platform that you do utilize it the right way. And that's true of any platform you're on that you're utilizing it the correct way
0: that's exactly you just ended that with what i was gonna say next it's like you should do that with any platform you go even Mm -hmm. even if you don't uh you know you're not going to be able to interact with this particular platform so much not meaning yours though but any Mm -hmm. platform right uh you should at least fill out everything so that even if you're not there people can look at you and see you it's you're promoting yourself it's almost like an advertising uh thing right
1: well, it's the opportunity to network and be connected 24, three, 24 7, 365. Even when you're sleeping, you might not even know you're being connected to, you know, you might not know the opportunity you're missing out on. I mean, again, this is why it's such an incredible time to be in this business and to be a creative, is because these opportunities exist. They didn't exist 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it, it's an amazing time. But again, you know, when you have. Platforms like this, that means there's going to be more competition. When you have a lower barrier of entry, that means there's going to be more competition. That means there's going to be more noise. Go on Twitter and just look at your Twitter feed and it's pure noise. You got to sift through it to try to find, you know, one nugget of information that might benefit you. Okay. How do you rise above that noise? Well, the way you rise above that noise is by being visible, being active, and making sure that the front of your house and the inside of your house are meticulous, attractive inviting and provide everything that anyone needs to know about you and about how they're going to be comfortable, I guess you could say, while you're not there, <laughs> you know what I mean? While, you know, while, while you're at work, uh, or while you're sleeping. I mean, it's, it's really that simple, but a lot of people don't take advantage of it. In fact, I would say a majority of the people, you know, don't think about it enough and don't challenge themselves enough. Like I know people... On stage, and we, and you know, we talk to a lot of people who have, who have had major success on stage 32 and the the common denominator with all of them is their profiles are completely filled out. They're up to date, all their media is there. And I know people within that group that actually set like a calendar reminder every 30 to 60 days to update their bios on all their social media. Uh, to make sure if there's anything new that they, they put it in there. Uh, if they missed anything, you know, to review them and it's smart. I mean, think about it. I mean, why, I mean, it's like going on, you know, you brought up LinkedIn earlier and LinkedIn, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't use it as a creative, I think it's a a waste of time for creatives to be perfectly honest with you and I, I, and as far as the creative forms are concerned, I used to joke that's where conversations go to die, but for, you know, for you know, white collar people and, and certain industries and everything. I totally see the value in it. But imagine if you were, and I'll just pick a, the first profession that comes to my head. Like you know, a, a, like a pharmaceutical salesperson. Okay, pharmaceutical sales is a pretty competitive business. You you know, you get to drive around, you make a lot of money, and and a lot of people want that job. So imagine you know, you go on LinkedIn and you want to you know you you don't put your resume up. You just say you put a little thing up that says I want to do pharmaceutical advertising and you don't put your resume up. Well, if, if you know you're working for like ortho and you're a recruiter and you, you do a, a, a search on LinkedIn for people who either work in that profession or have it listed on their profile, if you see that everything is blank, guess what? You're in the garbage. You're not even being looked at again. You're done, right? It's the same thing as a filmmaker or a screenwriter or an actor. It's such a competitive business. Why are you putting yourself at a disadvantage by not letting people know what you've done, what you've accomplished, what you're hoping to accomplish, what you're looking to do, being out there, being active, helping people, being selfless? Like, why wouldn't you do that? I don't get it. Like, you asked me earlier about my passion. Part of my passion is I know I cannot work anyone. Part of my passion is I know I could put the, my best face out there, and it may not be the most extraordinary resume, but it's pretty damn good. And I also know when I put myself out there that I'm coming from a place of selflessness and I'm giving. Nobody could fight me on that. You go look at my Instagram. You go look at what I post on Stage Thirty Two. You go put. It is a lot of giving of content and trying to help people and everything like that. It is part of my personal brand and anyone listening to this project, uh, this project, this podcast, (laughs) anyone who's listening right now, if you don't think you have a personal brand, you are wrong. And if your personal brand is silent, like if you're not doing anything, that's your personal brand. Your personal brand is silence. Nobody knows. Okay. If you're putting up a bio that says I'm a screenwriter, your personal brand is laziness. Okay. So understand that every single thing that you do online is no different or don't do is no different than anything you do or don't do in the real world. People are going to look at you and they're going to say, eh, you know, he or she is very passive. He or she really doesn't want it. He or she really isn't, you know, uh, you know, uh, really going after it aggressively. I mean, it, it shows people see that and people will go look elsewhere for, you know, for who they want to work with. It's, it's, I see it, look, I'm at a very, I'm, I'm at a distinct advantage to talk about this because I've been running this platform for nine years and I've, I've seen, I see it every day. I mean, I see it every day. Whether I want to see it or not, I see it every day.
0: It's true. It's- I, see, I see it also in what you were talking about earlier and people who think they can just come in one day, put a little thing up or, or just tap you on the shoulder, say, hey, or look at my movie or do this or make me a hero in this thing. And it's like- Give me something, you know what I mean? I mean, show me uh, something is what I mean.
1: Well, Susie, I mean, I'll tell you this. I mean, and this is going to sound like an exaggeration, but I want to put it in perspective. There's 600,000 Stage 32 members. We have almost 200,000 Twitter followers on the Stage 32 account. If you combine Stage 32 and script services, over 200,000. You know, you had Facebook in there. Our our Stage 32 front-facing social media probably across all our platforms probably has about 500,000 followers. My personal has well over a hundred across Twitter, Instagram, and others. So it's a, there's a lot of, my, my point of this is that there's a lot of contact points and a lot of people in the pool. When I tell you across those platforms and, uh, you know, from DMs and posts and emails and everything else you can think of that we get upwards of a hundred to 150 people a day who say, look at my donate to my, invest in my, read my, and we don't know any of them. And they are too lazy to even look like we get people that say, what's stage 32? (laughs) Well, if you're too lazy to look it up and type state, it it took you, it'll take you less characters to to put stage 32.com in a browser than it does to type what is, you know, what stage, what stage 32 all about to, you know, if you're that lazy, again, that's your brand, you know, and you're, you're, If you think that people are going to give you something for nothing, they're not, not in this business and not in life in general. You need to build relationships. You need to build trust. You need to, you need to build your profile and your brand to the point where people say, yeah, I want to read you. Yeah. I want to watch your film because so-and-so told me that you're tremendous and I trust so-and-so, you know, person a said that you're a great writer and I trust person a, you know, that's how you win. That's how this business works. People don't want their time wasted. It's, you know, I always say this, but, you know, it's, I, people say time is money. Bullshit. Time is time. Yeah. You get money back. You can't get time back. It's and people, true. You know, people who are successful in this business value their time.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you can't, and it's not always equal when people say time is money. It's like, well, you can't equal that. You, you worked for four hours and earned th- $100,000. Someone else worked for four hours and, and gained 50 bucks. You
1: That's know. exactly right. Hundred percent
0: right. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's. <laughs> I could tell now. See, it seems, and probably for our listeners, you can hear it now. The conversation really begins, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that I want to do. Um, wow, time flew. Talk about being in the zone. Uh, yes. This this happens. Um, I wanted to do a little a little bit of a game. Uh, Where I want to put you on the spot for this. Are you game for the game?
1: (laughs) I am game for the game.
0: (laughs) All right, let's do this. Uh, Really quick, I'm going to give you 20 seconds and I've got an alarm that'll go off. Okay. Uh, 20 seconds to rattle off the most, um, the films that you have watched in your entire lifetime, like 25 years or whatever, and um, that have made a real difference. you or have most impressed you ready
1: creatively
0: uh in whatever you are today in the in the you ink okay 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 get set go
1: oh man raging bull for sure uh goodfellas for sure the godfather for sure you can see that theme scorsese and uh uh coppola uh sideways uh from a pure writing standpoint um parasite this year for sure um god oh my god oh. i was gonna say magnolia boogie night just so many you know it's funny i'm going by director because so many have had an influence on me and screenwriters and so many have had an influence on me um yeah that, that was a tough one
0: it is because if you're in this business you grew up watching films right
1: Yeah. And, you know, you grow up watching films and it's also, you know, for, for me as a writer, even as an actor, but you know, as a writer and even as a producer, you kind of like, for me as a producer, there's certain films I watch almost from a, it's crazy, but almost from a budgeting, how they put it together, you know, how they structure this thing standpoint as I'm watching the film. So I'm influenced in a a variety, myriad ways. I mean, it's just, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. a tough
0: question. Do you have Netflix? I do. Okay. So you can always expense that as your business expense, right?
1: <laughs> you can. There's a lot of things you can expense.
0: <laughs> um, one last thing before uh, we go off. I know it's it's, it's Friday too. Uh, by the way, happy Friday. <laughs> happy Friday. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you just, just this one final thing, if sure. you don't mind. Absolutely. A message that, uh, you know, part of part of the reason I'm the purpose of anyone even coming here to listen to this episode is because my goal is to inspire people to share their stories. And I and I really, truly believe the best way to do it is through filmmaking mm-hmm. uh, and uh, for people who don't have the budget or the resources or just downright want to be innovative, whatever the reason. Um, I, I really believe, and especially how things are happening this year, 2020, uh, with the the latest phones and the technology and everything, that smartphone filmmaking is really a viable solution to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. What would what message would you send to all the people listening right now that might inspire them to 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 follow their dream in the filmmaking sense?
1: Um, well, first of all, oddly enough, you know that we're doing this. Uh, interview today, I believe that I read this morning, or I saw a headline that Lady Gaga filmed her latest video on a mobile phone. So there you go. Um, So it's happening everywhere. I would say, you know, as far as following your dream, ask yourself these questions. Okay. First of all, is it, like we said earlier, is it truly, truly a passion? Because if it isn't, I would say, you know, look to do something else only because it is a marathon, not a sprint. It is dealing with negativity. It's dealing with, well, let me say not negativity. It's dealing with rejection and learning how to deal with rejection and how to navigate that. Um, I should mention that if you are dealing with negativity and negative voices, and, and Susie, you mentioned that earlier as part of your journey, get rid of them. You want creative You want people that understand your creative journey and support it. And that's another thing that you will get on stage 32. So the first question I would ask is, you know, am I passionate about it? The second question I would ask is, what am I willing to do to get it? Okay. What am I willing to sacrifice? Can I, am I really, truly serious about it to the point where, you know, I was going to binge watch you know, Mindhunter tonight, but, you know, instead I'm going to put pen to paper or I'm going to storyboard my movie or I'm going to, you know, write that next, that, that next scene, or I'm going to run a monologue or learn something or whatever the hell it is, you know, are you willing to sacrifice? Because it, it does take a certain amount of sacrifice, especially for people who have full-time jobs. And by the way, I have one. I running stage 32 takes me, I mean, it's, it's a 50 to 70 hour week for me every week but I still find time, you know, to produce and to write and to, you know, I find time for the things that matter to me because I'm passionate about it. So what are you willing to say? And sometimes that means a lot of sacrificing. Sometimes it means, you know, I'm not out, you know, I have to sacrifice a night with the, you know, with the guys or with the friends or whatever. I mean, it just is what it is. All right. And then the third thing I would ask is I would ask yourself is, am I willing to put myself out there in a selfless way that might be a little bit outside of my comfort zone by, again, sharing content, talking to people, complimenting people, giving to people, obeying what I say is the rule of three, where you give three times or you offer to give three times before you ever ask for anything. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to put myself out there and be serious about that and treat my pursuits like a business? And like I'm at a networking or I'm at a, I'm at a networking party or, or a conference or a networking conference every day of my life. Every Every day I have an opportunity to be at one of those conferences. I'm going to treat it that way. So I'm going to treat my networking, my relationship building like a business. If you're willing to do those things, um, it doesn't matter if you don't have money to shoot a film because you can pick up a camera and you can find people and you will find people who will take a journey with you. If you are that type of person and who will go make a film with you on the weekends or at night or whenever the hell, you know, they can do it for little to no money. Um, You can do these things and you will do them if you embrace that mindset. So that's what I would say. I would just say, look, you know, it's it's this is a. Don't put time limits on yourself. Okay. I wanted to add that. Don't say if it doesn't happen to me by the end of next month or next year, don't do it because you never know when, you know, the bricks that you're you're laying every single day are suddenly one day going to become a structure that supports you um, and that other people want to live in. So don't put time limits on yourself. Just go after it with passion. Come from a selfless place as often as you possibly can. Give as much as you can and embrace the long game mentality. Just understand if you could say to yourself, like I said, this is a marathon, not a sprint. There is no such thing as an overnight success. It's going to take work. It's going to take relationships. It's going to take champions. If you embrace that, I promise you every day will be fun. Every day will be challenging in a, a cool and fun way. And. One day you're gonna wake up and go, holy shit, look at this unbelievable community I have around me. Look at this incredible like, mountain of support that I have. And it will happen, but it takes time. So don't be fearful of that and don't rush things. Take your time. It's like I say to people too, I know I keep rambling and I keep using these metaphors, but it really is true. You, want to, you, know, you decide one morning you wake up that you wanna lose 20 pounds, okay? You're not gonna lose 20 pounds by tomorrow. All right. It's going to take time. You want to go in the gym and you want to, you know, put on 10 pounds of muscle mass or, you know, you want to cut up, or whatever it is. It's not going to happen in a day. It's going to take time. You're going to have to lay brick by brick. You're going to have to have the discipline to do it. You're going to have to have the discipline with your meals. You have to discipline with your workouts and all those things. It's the same thing with this business. It really, really is. It's structure, it's strategy, it's, it's, adhering to a schedule and a mindset and really at the end of the day, that's what wins.
0: Wow. That's really powerful. And don't get intimidated. Don't let anyone or anything intimidate you uh, into what you want to do. Right?
1: hundred percent. Don't let anybody. And again, I'm not joking. Cut out the negative voices. If, if it's your mother and she's giving you shit, cut her out. Can't talk to your ma. Can't talk to you for a few months till I get myself where I need to be mentally. You don't need negative voices around you. Not everybody's going to understand your creative pursuit. If they're still great friends and they support you anyway, that's fine. But if you have people telling you you can't do it or you won't do it or you are ridiculous or whatever, and this goes for any pursuit in general, cut them out. Cut them the hell out and surround yourself with like-minded people who are doing what you're doing. You know, go on stage. If you're a screenwriter, go on stage 32 and find other screenwriters that you could trade scripts with. Okay, vet them out, make sure that they're of the level that you want to trade scripts with and do it. You're a filmmaker, find filmmakers that you you could create a little online group with. This happens all day long on Stage 32, by the way. You know, you can find a little online group that, you know, you form through Stage 32 and you guys exchange clips, ideas, whatever. Find your support group. It matters. It matters. So when you wake up every morning, you sit there and you go, I have that. I have these 5, 10, 15, 20 people. Or in the case of stage 32, 600,000 freaking people around the world that want to do the same thing that I want to do, and I'm going to stay connected with them. That's the power of that platform, and I'm not saying that from ego, hubris, or anything else. That's why I built it, so I have that. That freaking community lifts me up every day.
0: Because you rock and you love to be around people who rock and other people who are rocking. We're all rocking together, guys. That's
1: it. (laughs) That's it. Awesome. It's a collaborative business. Find your tribe. Find those true collaborators. Find the people you want to be with and roll.
0: Yes. That's why they call it rock and roll, right?
1: That's it. There you go. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, thank you. Say goodbye to our listeners.
1: Well, goodbye, thanks for uh, listening this long, if you're still here, I hope I didn't ramble too long. Uh, Feel free to connect with me anywhere. I also should've mentioned, You know, I wrote a, well, okay, first of all, if you wanna connect with me, when you sign up for Stage 32, you will see that welcome message on your wall. That message is automated, but everything, if you respond to that message, my response will not be automated. Uh, I respond to everyone who writes to me, you know, if it doesn't happen overnight, it might take a little while because I do get a ridiculous amount of correspondence, which I love, but it takes me a little time sometimes. So please do feel free to connect with me there. If you're on social, you can connect with me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at my initials RB walks into a bar. That's RB walks into a bar. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention I wrote a book uh, called. Uh, Crowdsourcing for filmmakers, indie film and the power of the crowd. People think that crowdsourcing is crowdfunding. It is not. It's completely different. Crowdsourcing is about everything that we were talking about today. It's about uh, branding, creating a brand of you and your work, building those relationships, how to go about building those relationships, both online and offline, how to win champions, how to build your tribe. I, uh, I was hired by Focal Press to write the book. It's on Amazon. It's free on Audible. If you love my unbelievably gravelly voice, whiskey-soaked voice, you can listen to me for ten hours and forty minutes on the audiobook. The audiobook is actually free. You can go to Audible, which is the Amazon uh, audiobook company, audible.com, and look up "crowdsourcing for filmmakers," and you could download it for free. And it, I'm very proud to say it has over between Amazon and Audible over 105 star reviews. So I'm very pleased about that. So. Uh, there you go. A lot of resources, a lot of information. If you're interested in more of what we talked about today, it's all in the book.
0: Awesome. Are there any other projects, though, that we should know about?
1: Um, well, I mean, quite a few that are coming through Stage thirty two right now. We have one that Eli Roth is producing and another one that Malin Ackman and Alec Baldwin uh, are starring in and Malin uh, is producing called Chick Fight that we were heavily involved in. I am uh, also in the process of... Uh, producing three films. I have a TV pilot that I wrote that is um, now making its way. We have quite a few attachments that I can't name yet, uh, but it's going through the that point where now we have everything packaged and it's going out to all the agencies and everything like that. So a lot of things going on. Yeah.
0: Oh, guys, nice. You want to follow RB uh, wherever you can then and stay on top of it. And and again do join the stage32.com um be a member and uh you'll see me there too so connect with me connect with RB you heard him 600,000 plus members and he finds time somehow to answer to everyone who writes to him so that's awesome
1: well i i that's what's important man it's a, it's i have to practice what i preach right you got to stay connected to everybody respond to people Respond to you, and and always remember that no connection is a bad connection. You know, just connect with as many people as you can, and handle your business right, and you'll do you'll do fine.